a, a girl would walk in and introduce herself and give me her name. A number walked through, and at the end of it, the, the woman walks back in and says, well, have you made your choice? So I had pick, picked a number. I was told the prices, and I was then told to wait, and then I would be taken to a room. My most interesting friend in the world. Welcome. Hi. I'm not going to disclose your identity because you've got the most wild shit that I can possibly ever think of that we're going to just disclose on this pod so that the feds don't come after you. It's not that bad. (laughs) It's kind of bad. Comparatively to the the typical everyday Orange Countier or American, I feel like your stories are kind of, you know, they're not subpar. Well, I, I feel like generally speaking... I just got to a point where I wanted to get everything out of my system. And I think there's people who routinely do far worse shit than anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I make a habit out of doing different dumb shit. So it's just, you know, I don't want to get to a point in my life where I think, you know, oh, wow, I really should have done that. And then end up making stupid decisions. This is also very true. Um, but... So we've like known each other, I feel like basically most of my important or most of the important time of my life, I guess I would say. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so we should say, and without disclosing too much information, I just feel <laughs> like you've just done so much like, at, like outside of what we're going to talk about, I think you've done like so much awesome shit um, outside of just what you've done business wise, but even like for cancer or like anything supportive within the community, again, keeping it very broad, but I guess I forgot I did stuff like that, too. Yeah, wow. You're just such a great, wholesome human no, being. No, I, I don't mean that like self-aggrandizing. I just, I don't know. I, I make decisions and try to be a decent person. Yeah. I sometimes forget, too. But, like, you and I just, I mean, we continually talk. So I feel like I get to kind of, yeah. it's almost like an everyday, like, concept. But when you look at, like, all of this in, like, a bigger or like a big picture spectrum I feel like you really have like kind of given back in a lot of ways which I think has been really cool but we're not here to talk about that so yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't think I'm a philanthropist by any means no and of course not but I mean well we won't get into detail but basically so one of the big things that I know you and I have talked about a lot is um the topic of prostitution and sex work and I know we're yeah. kind of coming into it hot but <laughs> I figured you would be such an amazing person to talk to and primarily because one you've had experience on both sides yep. um of the spectrum and obviously you can disclose as little and as much as you want sure. but for people kind of the overarching spectrum I wrote down a couple things so we can kind of just get the like logistics out of the way but for those that don't know kind of the, the difference between prostitution and like I guess normal normal sex or stripping or whatever that may be but prostitution basically is engaging in sex work with someone for payment um for most that don't know it's actually illegal in the united states most counties in the united states um except for nevada i guess it's eight counties that it's legal but people are still um, prostituting outside of that and obviously correct me if i'm wrong in any of this i don't know um oh okay well I'm spewing information. Okay. Um, it sounds like you've done a lot more research than I have. 
So a primary argument against um, prostitution is basically that it's considered a form of human rights abuse and attack of dignity of women. Um, and it's also for what a lot of people argue too, is that it's really linked to um, sex trafficking because there's a hundred thousand, I believe kids that are prostituted every year in the United States. However, the opposite argument of that is fighting for the like legal right and safety of sex work by making it legal. So there's really just kind of like this huge battle in both. Um, now, from the legal and regulated standpoint, uh, prostitution is actually legal in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Greece, Turkey, Netherlands, Hungary, and Latvia. Um, and then other countries, I guess it's legal and not regulated. And then Netherlands in 2000 was the first one to actually, um, or one of the first to actually legalize and regulate. So you've actually been to the Netherlands, correct? I, I have. Um, and what is your what was your experience? So... The first time I went to the Netherlands, I, you know, uh, so if we're talking about my own experience with sex work, prostitution, etc., the red white district is somewhere that I've been a number of times, but I've never actually done anything in the red white district. Okay. Um, my experience was outside of the Netherlands. Um, I didn't hear the name on your list, so I'm just not going to mention it. Okay, um, <laughs> fair. We don't have to. Um, but it's a very... I think a lot of it has to do with with the way that different cultures actually uh, think of sexuality and, and how it plays a role in people's lives. And really quickly, by the way, that list that I gave you was what was legal and regulated. So there's okay, still yeah. legality and unregulated. So either way, but you don't have to disclose. Not too worried. Yeah. Um, no, I think a lot of it has to do with the way that different cultures and, and different countries handle, you know, what what is their relationship with sex? Mm-hmm. I think that the way that, you know, Americans view sex, sexuality, etc. is is worlds apart from the way that, you know, most modern European countries view it. Um, and, and a lot of that is just seen in, in the way that, you know, media is portrayed and also how different people have become famous and, and how that shapes cultural narrative. Um, you know, I, I think that the best way to describe it is like, you know, if, if, if sexuality wasn't taboo, people like Kim Kardashian would never be famous. True. Um, if, if the U.S. was more sexually liberal, I guess would be the way to describe it, you you wouldn't have the taboo, which was around her whole, you know, leaked sex tape with Ray J. That, that wouldn't be a big deal. And, and it's funny, even when you look at how far we've come as a country since then, how many celebrities have had these major sex tapes leak that are a big deal for tens of minutes and then nobody cares anymore. I mean, you've had so many, you know, I think there was iCloud leaks and hacks and all sorts of stuff like that and all sorts of different people who've had, you know, uh, photos of themselves in various forms of undress that were never meant for the public released. And, you know, we, we seem to get over that much faster than we used to, even, God, I don't know, what is it, 10, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. So um, with that said, I think that, I think people end up processing sex differently. Yeah. 
So what was the, so I guess when you are in the areas where, you know, all of this is like legalized, what's the experience for, I guess, the person who is like the, I I would say consumer. So, I I mean, I can only speak from the perspective of an American. I think it would be very different for somebody who lives in one of those countries. Okay. Um, And why? Because again, it's, it's how we perceive sex and sexuality. So Mm -hmm. for me as an American to see people standing in windows you know, lining the, you know, the canals mm-hmm. who are, you know, overtly, uh, you know, soliciting people yeah. to, to, to basically have sex with them is very jarring. I mean, we, we grow up here in the U S with, uh, I don't want to say puritanical, but like a, a relatively sheltered view of sexuality. We'll show, you know, explosions and gore and all sorts of crazy shit in movies that, sorry uh, <laughs> but but the moment you show a boob all of a sudden you can't get it into a movie theater yeah so it, it's a little bit shocking as as an american to see that for the first time and also when you realize there's i mean the, the funniest thing was we when, when we were in the red light district the first time one of my friends was had had a birthday coming up but not remotely close mm-hmm. So our our hosts had kind of drug us into a place called the Moulin Rouge, which is not for what the the movie shares its namesake, but it's <laughs> it's just uh, I love that I know all these stories. Yeah. Um, we walk in and I have no idea what to expect. I know it's a show of some sort, but you know I've never been to these types of things. Yeah. I, I I have no concept of what I'm walking into, and we're we're just standing around and it's it's this is a terrible way to paint the picture but like it's like a small church auditorium that we're standing in that happens to have like a bar at the back of it where people can get drinks and other than that it's it's just a bunch of you know kind of folding chairs circled around like a stage and we walk in and there's there you know there's a, a couple stripper poles and there's you know different it's just a pretty empty stage. Like you could very easily host a stand-up comedy routine in there and it it wouldn't at all feel out of place. But then as soon as we walk in, like, you know, the, the stage lights change and, you know, whatever was performing, I don't remember what it was, walks, uh, walks backstage and then some more people come out and it is a very large woman in a very, very small man who... <laughs> Um, without much introduction, just start going to town. And, uh, I mean, my reaction was basically jaws on the ground. Dear God, where the hell have you brought me? What is going on here? Um, great news. I'm not in danger. So I'm just going to go ahead and stand here because, uh, what else do I do? And kind of look around and try and gauge everybody else's reactions. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that performer ended their uh, performance and then next thing, somebody announces another, another act. And this time it was just, it, it was a stripper. Um, she comes out wearing some, you know, kind of firefighter outfit or whatever, but it, it wasn't like anywhere near convincing. It was kind of the tacky Tacky stripper firefighter yeah. outfit, like there's little flames on it or whatever. It was like we got it on Amazon Prime for three dollars. Yes, and it <laughs> might have actually been Alibaba. Um, 
wish wish.com levels of quality uh, and this and this woman was not the typical demographic that you would expect to be a stripper um she was definitely a little bit older than you would expect and you know not like she was i don't know what the word to say it would be but like she just she just didn't fit that stereotype sure um so you know performance starts some music starts she's kind of spinning around the pole and then you know pulls her jacket off and some people cheer and whatever and then all of a sudden she walks into the audience and pulls my friend on stage beautiful to which my friend at this point i, I mean i'm almost positive that he was a virgin mm-hmm. um he gets pulled on stage and she takes his shirt off and then like lays him on the ground like pseudo forcibly it was hilarious um <laughs> and then continues her her thing he's he's just laid out on the ground as she's dancing around and once she finally becomes fully undressed she pulls a uh like an industrial like jumbo sharpie out oh and apparently one of our hosts had told the the staff that it was his his 18th birthday amazing um so he's he's on the stage shirtless laying there um hard or no (laughs) i you know i i was i was the back of the room so i i didn't have a clear view it was (laughs) i wasn't looking at the pitch tent maria yeah i i thought never even crossed my mind Uh, so so she kind of like gets gets on top of him and okay so before she was actually like fully naked Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. was hilarious because we got to watch him struggle to try and take her bra off Um, and i'm sure there was some sort of language barrier so he wasn't really sure what he was supposed to be doing and he was a very timid individual as it was so it was it was it was great you know um good good fun among friends but uh she once she was naked she pulls out this sharpie and then inserts it into herself oh and then squats over the top of him and proceeds to write across his chest in uh penmanship better than i could muster with my hands (laughs) sexy 18 (laughs) and what we later discovered was very much permanent marker not like all, all I remember was getting a, a picture from him later that night where his chest is completely red and damn near bloody because he was in the hotel shower just trying to scrub it off of himself and he couldn't. And it was hilarious because he comes from a very conservative family and he was very concerned that some members of his family might see it or he might not be able to get it off of him before he returned home. So to my knowledge, nobody nobody ever found out about it and, and it's just... You know, something we we can laugh about now. And if he invites me to his wedding, then I might tell the story. But and I'm but, sure you still have the photos. Let's be real; nothing to lose oh, yeah, on my cloud these days. I forgot about that. I do still have photos. Yeah, of it. yeah. Blackmail at its finest. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think it's blackmail. It's there's. It's it just. It is what it is. But in regards to like, I guess like, I mean, like prostitution itself, right? Like you're going out to Europe and you are like seeking sex. Like, do you like walk into a facility? So I don't know. I'm like going in this blank, right? Do you walk into a facility? You like, do you sign a waiver and then they like take you out and pick you on a number no. or like, no. do they pick a person no, in the no, crowd? No, no, no. Like, how does this work? So uh, 
my my experience was we okay to to say that I've, I've gone to europe and i'm seeking sex was not at all the case um <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. Makes me makes me sound like some sort of predator. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You no. just happen to stumble into a sexual environment in which you just proceeded to say yes. Uh, I don't know. And it it wasn't like I happened upon it. Okay, okay. Great, and great. I, I basically it was we were off on work. It was actually that that same trip that we were on. I had just gotten out of a. A very messy breakup mm-hmm. um and one of the guys at, you know we were we were there for work it went um terribly and we were all basically just like all right well we can we can fly home or we can hang out and you know kind of explore and see what we find and and uh one of the guys was just like hey let's go find a strip club and i'm like that sounds weird but you know whatever uh I'm just going to follow everybody's lead. We'll, we'll see what happens and um, go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember we showed up and this place was not anywhere you would expect to find something like this. Like okay. it, it wasn't, it wasn't something anyone would find on accident. Um, but if you weren't looking for it, you would have no idea what the hell it was. Okay. Like, it was basically this gigantic steel door in the middle of an industrial complex. Okay. And when we showed up, it was it was the middle of the night. And there's a button next to the door. And then when you press the button, you know, there's a little chime that goes off. And then you just hear this, this loud clang of, like, a, a deadbolt un, unlocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the door kind of like props open a little bit. So as soon as you hear that, you know to open the door. So we open the door and it is a completely unlit hallway. Like there's some candles on a, like a, a little, little hall tree. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, you know, a, it's just like a candle lit hallway down to where there's a staircase and there's an elevator. And we walked in and... The friend who I was with all of a sudden is just like getting really weirded out. Mm-hmm. And um, a- as we get closer to the end of the hallway, we start hearing like some chains rattling and we start hearing some weird shit. And, and both of us were, were kind of freaked out. Like, don't know what the hell I was walking into. I didn't choose this place. But at the same point, morbidly curious. Mm-hmm. Um, so I press the elevator button. The elevator comes. The elevator is just empty. And I have no idea where the hell I'm going. Um, so we're standing in the elevator. And uh, by the time the doors are closing, a friend of mine is like, no, dude, we got to get out of here. And he grabs my arm and, and, and pulls me out and we, and we leave. Um, I, so we left and thought nothing of it. The next day, I had, I had basically, I, I'd missed my flight. Um, of I wasn't headed home, but I was going elsewhere. And I'm like, you know what? I, I was curious. What, what the yeah. hell is back there? I didn't have a name. I just knew I had the address in my phone. So I'm like, all right, whatever. 
So I go back, and this time I walk up to this big steel door, I press the button. But this time, when the door opens, there was two women on the other side of it waiting for me, who then just greeted me and said, oh, you were one of the people who was here last night. You're the one who ran away. And at this point, I am now scared out of my mind. Um, one of them grabs me by the arm and leads me down the hallway. The other one is following me, so I have one person ahead of me, one behind. Uh, they summon the elevator. I get in the elevator. One of them is smoking a cigarette, and I'm terrified that I'm about to be murdered. Um, they, you know, the elevator goes up one level. They take me into a room that mm. looks like it's straight out of Clue. Like, if you took, like, the billiards room mm-hmm. and the, you know, and, and the library, and then you made them into the size of, uh, it, it was small, but I mean, it was, it wasn't the size of the kitchen here. Which is crazy, because I just watched that movie. Oh. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it's just strange, because it's like this ornately decorated room yeah. that it is like a waiting room, I guess. And the madame or I guess whoever, I mean, I don't speak the language Mm -hmm. of the country that I'm in, which is, I guess, an important part of this, um, has now said, uh, drink or ladies. And, you know, the thought process in my mind was, well, the last thing I need to do here is be drunk Mm -hmm. because I'm somewhat worried for my safety. And then... The other option, okay, whatever. Like I, already I, here. I'm, 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 I'm here. Looks like we're doing this. Um, so she all of a sudden summons in a, you know, I, I would basically just be sitting there, and then uh, a, a girl would walk in and introduce herself and give me her name. And then walk out. And a number walked through. And at the end of it, the, the woman walks back in and says, well, have you made your choice? I had, you know, made, pick, picked a number. And I was told the prices. I was then told to wait. And then I would be taken to a room. I, I'm, I'm then taken to a room. Uh, two women walked in. And took it from there. Uh, it was odd, but why yeah. is that? Um, because again, I I don't necessarily consider myself somebody who's out seeking prostitution. I didn't, you know, I, I was curious, but I was kind of hoping I could just leave before anything happened. Yeah, but at the same point, like. You know, part of me in the back of my mind was like, you know, I don't want to be the guy that someday finds myself in a fantastic relationship and then has these regrets or whatever and is like, you know, I've always wanted to do this or I've always wanted to do that. And it's like, you know, get it out of the way. I was, shit, this was years and years and years ago at this point. Um, And, you know, it. It, it was just odd because it, it didn't fit a any of the ideas I had that that type of a situation would would entail and b it 
it just, you know, my, my conception of what a sex worker or a prostitute was, was not what I experienced. So I'm kind of curious about that. Like what was the biggest like misconception, I guess. So you had this idea and what was the idea and then what was the reality? And like, obviously you don't have to go into like full, full, full detail if you don't want. I mean, yeah, I know no, that I, mean, I know the details, but I'm just saying like <laughs> when we air them, right? Like, yeah, no. And, and my, my conception of a prostitute is, you know, it's the, the New Jersey streetwalker with a, with a violent pimp. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like that was not at all the case. And they weren't like you know the 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 societal view of what a prostitute is oh it's dirty and these people are you know bad people and they're Mm -hmm. you know you can't trust them and like you know i I can't say i i could or couldn't i mean i i didn't know either of the girls long enough to to make that decision but it was something that it just seemed far more normal i guess and it wasn't, it didn't seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But in my head the entire time, I'm like, oh, this is something, something ain't right here. Mm-hmm. But it might have also been the fact that I was on the other side of the world. And, you know, everybody who I knew had already left the country. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I was a little out of my element. I mean, yeah. as far as crazy things I've done, that's probably the craziest. Sure. I mean, I, you know, with, with few exceptions, I... You know, I, I, I would, I would not suggest anyone go does that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, which is interesting you say that. So what I didn't realize either, like in my research was that I guess there, that there's like three different like subsets of prostitution, which is the streetwalker, um, I guess like the, the brothel and then the fuck can't even read my own writing, which doesn't even help me. But, um. Yeah, there's like three different like subsets, which I like genuinely was like, wait, I thought everything was like under this like one umbrella. So I think that I'm not saying the streetwalker exists, but there is that like subset of yeah. women and no, men I, actually. Yeah, no, I mean, it's you, you've got your classic gigolo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I learned later on in life is there's there's kind of another another call it subset, which would just be, you know women who are escorting and that's that's actually it oh, I couldn't okay <laughs> escort escort was the other one i was like why can't i was like what the fuck did i write on here yeah i just but so escort yeah so yeah. it's yeah so it's street brothel and escort so those are the three yeah um and you know being that that was a, a very early experience with that <clears throat> i yeah i mean i it was let's just talk i mean talk you're no, literally I... <laughs> beating around the bush so do you want me to say it out loud do you want me to introduce it what oh i was gonna say that you have also par- participated okay in yeah. process well i was gonna say you've participated in prostitution but you've also um dated people as well and i, I mean i guess you can like clarify yeah it wasn't like you know long long standing relationships but i sure I've, yes i have experience on on both sides i you know, in one of my previous relationships, I had a girlfriend who was in the adult industry mm-hmm. and she was, um, in porn you're saying, or she you're was, referring to scamming. Okay. Yeah. I actually want to talk about that as well. That's fine. But we'll okay, go into that and then yeah. we'll bring she it She was scamming. Um, can you actually describe what that is? Cause there's a lot of people that actually don't know. 
Oh, okay. Um, I know so, you and I are so like super familiar. No, we talk about and, this all the time. So I guess I should just introduce it as uh, camming is a subset of adult performers who are in control of their own. Well, I guess that's not a good way to say because there are people who are trafficked into it. Um, hmm. Because there's that and there's OnlyFans, and I don't know how the two worlds collide. Uh, so the the two the two worlds coexist rather mm. rather well. Um, but the best way I can describe camming is imagine a stripper who instead of working at a strip club is instead in a either you know their own bedroom in a room that they have set up for doing this, or it might be in a studio with a webcam or you know it could be as simple as a webcam it could also be you know a higher end type of production um who is on camera doing some sort of sex act whether that be stripping if that's some sort of masturbation if that's actually you know sex with a partner um it, it could be any of those things and for the majority of girls in that i feel like they're they're really in control and they figure out you know what it is that they do they have their niche um you know if, if it's it's hard for me to generalize because i don't want people to come after me because i say one thing and i i understand like there's there's nuance in in, mm-hmm. in all of this um but you know from my experience it's you know they're doing what they're comfortable doing mm-hmm. um there's there's definitely difficulty and and pressure from uh clients fans whatever you want to call them to try and get the performer to do things that they don't always want to mm-hmm. which you know that's something that they they have to say no to or, yeah you know or they can easily be taken advantage of um and i had a male friend actually that basically his like niche was which you might know this person we can talk about this offline but basically for him he I had i think a, i know who you're talking about a lot of males a lot of yeah. Older men yep. basically were requesting him to like break his like toes or parts of his feet. What? And basically showed it off on camera, but he was like fake breaking. Like he would like fake break his toe, like yeah. not obviously not really, but showcase that on camera and he's making like thousands and thousands of dollars off yeah. that and there's no, a huge and the, market for it. The the market so camming is not exclusive to women. There no, is definitely a market for men. Huge market. Yes. and Less talked about, though. Yeah, obviously less talked about, and it's generally patronized by other men. It is, it is not a Broadway female audience. Um, and it's... You know, I, I would say it's crazier, but I... You know, pe- people have weird weird interests and will try and pressure people into doing all sorts of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you give somebody anonymity, um, and you know, they're, they're letting their desires run wild, then you find a very strange undercurrent of society. <laughs> yeah. So. But even like feet, they were saying there was an episode, I think it was on call her daddy, but basically the, one of the, like the top performing only, <clears throat> I'm sorry, only fans girls, which I mean, similar when you can kind of talk about the, sure. the, the coexisting world, but basically she was saying even like feet pics, yeah. $10,000 a picture. Mm. So I think that falls more into the category of, uh, financial domination. There's, there's like a classification of 
of girls who, you know, it's somewhat common on OnlyFans, I guess, where if I, there's a, a subset of guys that for some reason get off on spending money on women. Mm-hmm. Um, and these women are a, uh, I, I guess like a dominatrix that is basically just taking advantage of that or giving them an outlet for that to go ahead and then spend often alarming sums of money on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are the people who you would, you would see spending absurd amounts of money on, on feet pictures. Um, the other thing with, with pictures of feet and things like that is obviously that's, you know, that, that's for people with a foot fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, that's, like, I feel like that's fairly vanilla within that world. Yeah. Because, you know, there's really no nudity to it. And, you know, everybody has their kinks, I guess. Sure. I guess my shock was the amount of money you can make for something that is a platform that is considered more sexualized for something that doesn't seem sexual. I think that's where I was like, holy shit. Like the fact that like it is possible again to make that just such a large sum. Like, I don't know. I can't process it there. I mean, the stranger it is to you the more likely it is to pay larger amounts of money. Huh. Um, so, for instance, there was a thing that uh, it was... I forgot what channel it was on YouTube that did a thing where... Basically, they do personal finance. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls that came on to go over her personal finances was talking about how she makes money. And one of the ways she did it was by selling pictures of her feet. Um, and she was making, I think it was like 150 or $250 uh, for selling pictures of her feet to each client. Um, and then when she needed some more money, she had a client who had offered her like 1500 or $5,000 or some, it, it, again, it was a jarring number to me. So this dude could just smell her armpits. Whoa. Yeah. So although it might not be overtly sexual, those kinds of things are what people are typically willing to pay more money for um, because there's a taboo around it and they may find themselves, you know, how do you, how do you explain to your partner that you just really sexualize the smell of their armpits? That's actually, you know what? And I've never had it put that way. So now that you've literally used, <laughs> it's so simple, but the fact that you said taboo, like just basically kind of like turn the light on where I'm like, you know what? That's correct. Yeah. I would have never even thought, but I would just think that like, Oh, I guess that's, I guess a little bit more easily accessible. Yeah. So I would think that you wouldn't pay as much money for it. But I mean, that argument absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, okay. So back to then OnlyFans and camming coexisting. Yeah. So I'm not at all an expert on that. I sure. haven't been involved in any of that for okay, a okay. number of years. Um, and that is a industry that is evolving very quickly and there are a number of advocates for it and there's also obviously a bunch of bad press around it as well. Um, I would really encourage you to have somebody who's more actively involved in that actually on to better represent it. Mm-hmm. And if there's people listening who might find themselves in that position, I'm genuinely hoping that you know I'm not trying to put it out there that my experience defines the way that it all is because yeah. I understand that it, it varies wildly from person to person and in their individual experience. And please let me know too, if you are willing to talk about your experience to like get more exposure. Like I would love that. Cause I think that it's important too. Um, 
I mean, I'm I'm willing to talk about most anything, but I think that for the sake of exposure, I would I would rather have somebody who's more recently versed in it than myself yeah. to make oh. sure that it's an accurate portrayal. Oh, I meant somebody on the other side listening. Oh, but okay. yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, so an ex of yours who or somebody who you had yeah. dated for a short period of time who was involved in in camming and ex and uh, yeah. So she had a acquaintance who had reached out to her who apparently was following her camming and had seen me. And sorry. He picks um, up the sound. Oh shit. <laughs> You're fidgeting. So anyhow, I I had this I was in a relationship, she was camming, occasionally I would help her with it. Um and then this acquaintance of hers had had reached out, had noticed me and asked if uh she was willing to, I guess, loan me out, for lack of a better word, um, for money. And it was a really strange scenario for me because, I mean, okay, so I had already agreed to go along with what she was doing. And, you know, there's a certain amount of risk that I took on there that you... I, I don't think I regret it, but it's definitely something that probably didn't think all the way through um but when she mentioned this friend of hers i was like okay and i had assumed like she would be involved somehow as well but it basically wound up being me meeting this girl and then sleeping with her in exchange for money Mm -hmm. um and it was a you know paid by the hour type thing um and that was the other part that was weird to me because this was not an unattractive girl. Um, you know, this was somebody who was very conventionally attractive and could basically do whatever she wanted. And obviously she, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the, even the name that I have for her was real or whatever. I, you know, never kept in touch. There was never any conversation after the fact. You know, I I had met up with her twice, um, and things were always you know fairly down to business, and then off we went. Um, so I don't I don't know too much from like her side of the equation, but for me it was you know it's kind of weird, but you know the money was good, and my girlfriend didn't have any problem with it, and whatever, like okay, yeah, <laughs> and it was it was obviously you know two consenting adults it wasn't anything you know there was i wasn't being asked to do anything i wouldn't you know normally do it wasn't anything i was you know uncomfortable with so it's it's not like i was you know trafficked or i was you know forced to do anything yeah whatever. it was just strange two consenting adults and i wonder for her too i mean being an attractive woman who obviously has the accessibility to sex if she like wanted it right like she obviously found you and had no issue to like engage well the other part that was was strange to me was she had known my girlfriend Hmm. so i don't know if like her thing was she just wanted to sleep with people who were in a relationship or the taboo thing like that was some sort of kink that she had but you know that was what happened um yeah and so what was the like i guess how did the relationship progress with your at the time girlfriend did she ever like rebring it up did she feel like it was ever an issue like in her mind didn't care and do you know if like that's something that she's just like been 
I guess, like, not like a part of prior, but like she's just had happened before, I guess. I, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't actually had any reason to believe that she had been, you know, been paid for sex or soliciting or whatever. Um, that was, it was nothing that ever got brought up. It wasn't anything that was, I mean, I, I definitely had some questions at the time, mm-hmm. but that relationship was, there was a lot of things I should have had a lot of questions about. <laughs> and Do you want to talk about them? Uh, that could be its own show. Um, <laughs> no, there, there was, that. I mean, it was a forest of red flags. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're season pass holders, baby. Lay them on us. Oh, I. <laughs> you pee on her, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, you gotta find out that some things just aren't for you somehow and at the same point hold up hold up i don't think we're recording so we were recording the entire time but now i need to know did you pee on her (laughs) you thought you could get out Uh, of this uh that one no no i did not oh not that one did you shit on her chest ew no (laughs) just making sure we're the boundary no i uh okay I'm sorry. I just went, oh, you're turning so red. Oh, God. No, okay. I. You don't have to talk about it, but I would love to know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I know. We, I mean, we could go through an entire... I could write a book. It's... Oh, what a oh, life. Oh, I've heard. Oh, what a life I lead. Honestly, you guys, like, my favorite thing is, is like, anytime <laughs> I get, like, a phone call from my favorite individual across the table from me, I almost said your name, um, is I just know that I'm about to be on this call for, like, an hour to two hearing about some dumb shit you've done. <laughs> okay. To be fair, that that is not a, that has not occurred in in a good long time. No, no. Like I said, I'm, I'm very happy where I am currently. Yeah. This is this is back in the good old days. I'm just kidding. They're still they're, these are more mature days, but the delinquent days. <laughs> yeah, no, there was there was a, a string of questionable decisions mm-hmm. and individuals. <laughs> okay, fine. I won't press, I won't press you on the record. <laughs> but okay, let's reel it back to. So we talked about your side of things, but yeah. what was your experience actually dating somebody who was a sex worker? Okay, so I've done that a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different every time. Okay. Um, and in what way? Okay, so I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, have you ever dated an accountant? Uh, definitely not too boring. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, there could be some accountants that have a total wild side, and you might just be completely enthralled with an accountant who has his double life going to Vegas and just partying like there's no tomorrow. Mm, you speaking could, from experience? No. I've <laughs> never dated an accountant. But you could also date a completely different accountant who, like you said, might be a, a tad uninspiring. I'm uh, also sorry if there's accountants out there and I just called you out. I don't mean to. It just <laughs> happened. My mom is like an accountant and love her, but she's just not my type of personality. <laughs> Wow. She's very, she's just met, like. I knew you would roast your own mother on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, my mom knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so the, the point I'm trying to make is like, people are people. And although people may share the same job, 
they may do so entirely differently. Okay. So one of my past relationships, the my, my partner was very disorganized. Okay. Um, was using drugs. Um, you know, nothing illicit, but it was just, you know, prescriptions that mm-hmm. may have been not very legitimate, as I would find out. Um, whereas another girl I was in a relationship with, um, or, or I was seeing, rather, uh, was, you, you would never know. You would never have any idea. You could meet her, and you would just have no idea. Totally sure. normal, down-to-earth. Um, you know, she she didn't share that with me until we, we got close. Um, and it was kind of a funny thing, because I remember when she did share it with, with me, I kind of just chuckled and said, yeah, okay, me too. And then oh. her, her reaction was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so... I, I wouldn't want to generalize and say, like, there's some archetypal sex worker. Like, sex workers come in all shapes and sizes and personalities and and everything. Okay. Um, with that said, the way I've always looked at it and the reason it hasn't bothered me is because if if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I'm in a relationship with that person and not their occupation. I don't care if they're a... They dig ditches. I don't care if they're, you know, uh, a receptionist, if they're uh, a chef, if whatever, you know, whatever their, whatever the thing is, that that is part of what makes them who they are. And that's part of what has, you know, made the person before me who they are. So as long as their job is in line with you know my my own values and my own preferences i'm not going to go ahead and you know judge them for it because at the end of the day you know it, it's it's a part of who they are and it, i'm not saying that it's exclusively who they are i'm i'm saying just the opposite of that it's just you know it's a facet of of who they are so you know, as long as, you know, so this one, she was escorting. And my question was, well, are you still actively doing this? She said, no. Okay, that that's fine. Like, you know, I, I've, I've had other jobs that I'm not actively engaged in that job anymore. Doesn't matter. I'm mm-hmm. not planning on going back to that job. Um, and I, I had asked her at the time, you know, are you planning on doing this more or again? Or, you know, is this something that would change? She's like, no, I, I think I'm done with that. Totally fair. Then, you know, why why would I have an issue with that? Um, I feel like if, if people are going to go ahead and judge each other based on their, their prior work history, they've got bigger issues with themselves. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that, you know, just, just seems like we should be more mature then. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have this hilarious sexual double standard where you know guys are praised if they have a bunch of partners but you know the the moment a a, a woman girl whatever does the same suddenly it's dirty or suddenly it's undesirable and it's like why why would i care like 
do your thing. Like I, for, for myself, I, I think of, you know, the, you know, societally, traditionally, moral, morally questionable things I've been involved with have made me a better person because I feel like I, I understand more people on a, a more realistic level. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, you know, you know if, you, if you don't want to date somebody, don't date them. But don't think less of them because of their job, especially when it's something that, you know, when the running joke is it's the oldest, oldest profession in the world. Well, obviously it's nothing new. And, you know, I, I think that, I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody said of, of like the porn industry, like, why would you judge the people who create it as someone who consumes it? You, you can't just go ahead and choose a side and and also go ahead and contribute to what furthers those ends. So, yeah, it's... People are people. I mean, I yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that there needs to be, like, safety within the industry and that, that people need to check themselves on their, like, double standard. Um, but I am curious, have you... Or I guess, did you date a gal that was like actively escorting while you were in the relationship? Or was this typically um, before, maybe like after? There was one girl I was seeing who, you know, I, I was told that no, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I'll take her at her word for that. Sure. Um, so, you know, actively no, because for me personally, I'm not interested. Well, from, from a safety perspective... I don't know how she conducts her business. Mm-hmm. I don't know how everything works specifically. You know, if it's someone who's in the porn industry where they have, you know, constant tests and, and you know, safeguards in place, mm-hmm. then that's one thing. But for me personally, I don't want to share my partner. Yeah. So I I wouldn't really be, you know, open to that. But... There are people who are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's an ass for every seat. Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of where I said that, you know, if, if it fits within your morals, your preferences, whatever, then, you know, more power to you. I'm not gonna judge anybody. I don't I don't think that somebody who dates somebody who's actively in the, you know uh, in in the sex work industry is is a, a bad person because it's just a different set of preferences, you know. Yeah. We all, you know, people always talk about, or, you know, guys or whatever, have this conversation about, oh, do you like, you know, boobs or butts? Well, it's like, are you going to go ahead and judge somebody for liking one more than the other? Like, it, it, it's just as silly. Yeah. It's so, yeah. That is very fascinating. But. Yeah, no, I mean, people's preferences are completely arbitrary. No one's right or wrong. They're just their own. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced, um, I guess, somebody that has participated in, like, sex work that I have, like, personally dated. So I would love to know, like, I guess, like, more from, like, the male perspective of, like, anybody who actually, like, maybe has, like, actively done it and, like, what that business looks like to them. Um, And I want to know, like, too, like, how people, like, you know, regulate that on their own own time because you made that point of, like, you know, you weren't sure how she, like, you know, the other gal had regulated, you know, her own personal business. And I am, like, really curious, right? Like, what safeguards do people, like, put in place because you don't have, like, government regulation that says you are safe and you are protected. So it's, you know, how are people doing that? But, you know, you assume that people are taking their own, like, 
you know, processes and provisions and stuff like that. So yeah, at, at the end of the day, whoever you sleep with, there's obviously going to be a certain level of security mm-hmm. that you need to be comfortable sleeping with them. Like, you know, I, I would, I would like to, to think that everybody is, has some sort of process in place to, you know, manage things like consent. And, you know, if, for instance, if, if somebody has, let's use herpes as an example, somebody has herpes, I feel like it's a pretty big priority that they need to make sure that anybody that they're potentially dating or becoming intimate with is Mm -hmm. aware of that. And, you know, by that same token, it's not just herpes. It could be, you know, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you name it. So, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, people who are actively engaged in sex work, who are sleeping with a, you know, closed pool of other, we'll just call it talent, um, that is routinely tested, in a lot of ways, is safer than somebody who goes out to a nightclub, meets a random person, and then has sex with them half drunk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I've had, you know, to touch on the point, I, I've had numerous friends that have had, you know, unfortunately yeah. gotten an STD because they had partners in the young life that just decided to not tell them because they wanted to have like a fun night. And now that individual is struggling for years and has a debilitating sex life because they have to disclose this thing that people yeah. are just uneducated and unaware of Yeah, all because of like ill knowledge from, or like ill I guess, disclosure from the other party and in which, which sucks. You like ruin lives that way. Oh, absolutely. You know, like people just not communicating. Yeah, no, you I mean, you, if you find yourself with some sort of, you know, sexually transmitted infection, disease, et cetera, and you know, that wasn't disclosed to you. Well, as soon as you're aware of it, it's something that you live with. Yeah. And you know, if, if you know you have that and then you go out, and end up infecting people. I, I don't know exactly, you know, how it works state by state or whatever, but I believe there's a certain amount of liability there where yeah. if, if you knowingly transmit a communicable disease to somebody, you can be held criminally liable for it. Mm-hmm. I have a, uh, so I know a lot more about like how women communicate um, about like STDs. Yeah. How have you or like your male friends typically communicated? Not like STDs, because I'm not saying you have one, but like I guess. <laughs> you say, thankfully, I've never run into that issue. Yeah, yeah, that much I know, but I guess like communicating with your partner about like getting tested and like safety or like asking about birth control. Do you feel like it's primarily always the females that ask, or do you take initiative? Um. I. Uh... I'll be honest. It's just been a long time. That's true. Yeah. I, I've, you know, for, for the sake of clarity, I, I've been in a you know a, a long term relationship now for for a number of years, so yeah. I haven't had to worry about that. It's true. I and mean, I, you know, when I was single and I was you know dating around or whatever, I, I was never the type of person who you know I'm going to sleep with you know a different girl every day or whatever. Like to me, I just always thought that that was a irresponsible and dangerous and and. I just don't think I, I, I'm not the type of person who, who wants to try and string people along and like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd like to try and manage expectations and like present people with the best, the best of myself. Yeah. Um, You also don't have time. (laughs) That's, you forgot one of the biggest factors. But okay. So suppose my, my work situation was such that I, you know, I only work two days a week. I, I doubt I would all of a sudden become this 
you know, fair bachelor. That's <laughs> I'm, I'm not suddenly going to be Charlie Sheen from Two and a Half Men. Like my God, it's just I don't think that's my personality. No, that I yeah I get that too. But I just I just figure too a lot of the reason why you also were I guess like a little bit pickier or like understood your situations or were such a big like communicator was because of that aspect. Like yeah. that really weighed it, and you're like, where do I really want to allocate my time, and why am I going to waste it on like. I guess like meeting people that were like extremely irrelevant to me. Yeah, no, I, I would never devote any of my time to people who I saw as disposable. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something inherently dishonest with people who, who, who treat people in their life that way. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't have an interest in, in, in spending time with people who I, I don't feel like I have some sort of, interest or or bond or or otherwise with i mean i i don't know why somebody would surround themselves with or or spend their time with somebody who they're not interested in yeah so so i guess on that note um i know that we kind of like covered in a rant yes i should mention that i just said all of this stuff which is completely inconsistent with the story that we started with okay which is in that situation was i being careful or was i asking questions and the answer to that is no and that was stupid and i have never gotten an appointment to get tested faster in my entire life than when i returned back home from that trip and was worried sick about it so thankfully i escaped unscathed so if anyone does end up in that situation please ask all the questions (laughs) and get tested but i guess while i was gonna close that out on um do you kind of have any like final thoughts or things for people to kind of like take away or like thought starters when they do want to engage in like conversation when it does come to like sex work or prostitution because i feel like people have this you know they have an idea of what it is or like a misunderstanding and i mean i too like didn't even like know enough about it until you and i kind of decided i mean you and i always talk about like an array of topics but until i decided to dive in and be like all right well what was the history like what is the legalization like what are the safety provisions right like i would have never done that and i don't know if like you kind of have any like takeaways for somebody on the other end um there's there's a lot more to know than anybody would think who just has you know a, a casual onlooker perspective mm-hmm. um you know it was one thing that after i got home you know I, I thought about and obviously there's the topic of trafficking and things like that and you know i, I don't i don't want to contribute to criminal enterprise i don't want to go ahead and and you know, I, I don't want any sexual experience with anybody who's unwilling. Like, mm-hmm. that just turns my stomach. I just, I, you know, the, the idea of that is, is, is not good mm-hmm. to me. Um, so, I remember there was a, a point after I got home that I was, you know, looking into all of these different, you know, legalities and kind of statistics. And would I do it again in that type of a setting or, you know, is it something that I would seek out? No. Um, is it something that I regret every day and I feel dirty and I'm a terrible person for it? No. Um, it, it just it just is what it is. It's, it's a part of what's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember when I was, when, you know, when we were having a conversation with the, the girl I was seeing who was, you know, previously escorting, 
I, you know, we had different questions for each other and, and one of which I, I had asked was just like a, you know, what, what's, what's a typical range of clients like, you know, like yeah. how often are you doing this? Like what's, what's the relationship like? Um, and it was, it was kind of funny because it was exactly kind of my experience, which was, it's not only middle-aged boomery, creepy dudes there's a lot of people who seek that out for various different reasons. It's not all people who are cheating on their spouses. It's not all people who, you know, oh, they, they can't get laid otherwise. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're just pathetic and whatever. Um, you know, a lot of it was people who were successful, people who were good looking, people who are just normal people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for one reason or another, that was what they had turned to. Yeah. So my, my I guess my takeaway is that people should really give more consideration and and more thought to those who are are championing the championing the idea of regulation and safeguards and things like that. There's obviously a uh, you know big pushback from the religious side of thing or the religious side of the political aisle um but even when you look into again you know who who's buying these things well it's from that side as well and the fact that there's this taboo that exists that nobody wants to talk about it and everybody wants to have this holier than thou high ground is what prevents us from moving forward to a place where you know it's it's safer for people who are already doing these things and just because you don't personally agree with it or it's something that you don't you know don't like or or wouldn't want to participate in yourself doesn't mean that people shouldn't be safe in an activity that's been going on since the dawn of time yeah no, and I think that's a beautiful point to, <laughs> <laughs> to end things on. Um, and, you know, like Google and resources like exist for people. I think, again, the more educated you become, the better and safer that we all are. Even if you tend to still disagree, that's totally fine. Nobody's asking to change your opinion. Um, I think all, all anybody can ever ask is for people just to do a little bit of research and just like understand another perspective and yeah. like communicate, like, right? Like seek out somebody who's willing to talk to you about it. Um, again, you and I always have like, yeah. you know, either politically driven conversations, sexually driven conversations, um, that sounded so strange, but yeah, I wouldn't like, describe it as that. No. Well, I, okay. Well, I was talking about like, you know, for example, you and I talked about, you know, porn. We talk about something like this. We talk about like STDs. We talk about, I mean, eating disorders. We talk about anything and everything and whether yeah. or not you and I agree or not, we have open discussions for the most part. Yeah. I think and and that most, I but... think is, is, is the important part is like people need to be open to actually talking about things that influence all of us yeah and to go ahead and just hide and say that sex doesn't exist and it only exists within certain confines and certain areas and certain types of people and whatever no it's it's a part of our nature it's a part of life Mm -hmm. and unfortunately it's also why actually unfortunately is not really a fair way to say it but it's also a part of the way that certain people do business. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> that's a whole loaded ending. Yeah. But I love you long time and I'm going to just click the end button before I keep making points. <laughs>